0: The Hamlet Podcast. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to this bonus episode, put together today in honour of Shakespeare's birthday. I had been planning to make some kind of a supplementary episode discussing Hamlet on film, or rather, adaptations of Hamlet for the screen. I'm sure you're already thinking of one or two examples, but for now I reckon we will concentrate only on The Northman, a brand new film that is out this weekend. It's directed by Robert Eggers, and I should stress immediately that this is in no way masquerading as an adaptation of Shakespeare's play, Hamlet. Instead, it's a retelling of the story that inspired the play, a film about the Viking character Amleth. While it's certainly not a version of Shakespeare's Hamlet, and it would be a disastrous failure if this was what it was trying to do, the film glimmers with little nods and references throughout. In fact, it owes just as much of a debt to another Shakespeare play, but we'll get to that anon. This is a film about a young Viking prince whose father is killed by his uncle. The prince then runs away, rather than moping around the court wearing black clothes, like another version of the story, and eventually the young prince joins a gang of Vikings and becomes what's known as a berserker. These were Viking soldiers who worked themselves into almost trance-like states of rage and violence, and were apparently very effective weapons. Eventually, the young prince encounters a prophetess who gives him word that his uncle has been overthrown and is now living in exile in Iceland. So he cuts off his hair and his beard and stows away on a slave ship heading there, and his quest for revenge begins in earnest. Here in Ireland, we've had our fair share of gnarly Scandinavians on screen in recent years. The TV drama Vikings was primarily filmed here, and it has already spawned a sequel, a new series called Vikings Valhalla. Game of Thrones, while not technically about Vikings, employed similar actors and similar skill sets to evoke and shoot the colder northern areas of Westeros. Ever since 1988, when Dublin celebrated its millennium, we've been aware of and thinking about our Viking forebears. So, to a certain extent, the world-building and cultural imagining of the Northmen were almost comfortingly familiar. No surprise, I suppose, since the film was actually shot here in Ireland. There are really beautiful landscapes, but I hate to tell you, many of them are not Iceland, but our own beloved Donegal. The film stars Alexander Skarsgard, who has apparently been pushing to make a Viking epic movie for more than a decade. Nicole Kidman, who played his wife on the TV drama Big Little Lies, here plays his mother. Although for reasons that will become clear as the film goes on, this isn't a bad idea at all. Ethan Hawke plays the father. The character himself is an amalgamation of legends that all share the name Our Van Dill. I hope I've pronounced that, at least slightly appropriately. The evil uncle is played by Claes Bang, and the court jester becomes an intriguing role for William Defoe. Far from just being a jester or a Yorick substitute, here the character, called Hamir the Fool, becomes a kind of religious figure who guides father and son through a trippy ceremony, almost like a vision quest, that allows them to see the past, present and the future and the Yorick tie-in also has a really effective echo later in the film when Amleth needs a little further information from the beyond. I am always intrigued at the idea of Viking religion, and particularly their ritual and religious observances. We have so little evidence of how they worshipped, but most of the days of the week, at least in English, are still named after their gods. Thanks to Marvel, a whole new generation of cinema fans are now aware of Thor and Valkyries and Valhalla and Ragnarok, and yet we don't have much information as to how these people communed with the Divine. I mention this at length because the Northmen pays very specific attention to the supernatural, to what hovers just beyond the limits of human perception. The Norns – these were weavers of the rope of destiny, important figures who dictate human fate – were last put front and centre in culture in Richard Wagner's epic Ring Cycle. In the Northmen, we don't see them, but their influence and their importance is mentioned very often. The Prince's family tree, and by extension the Norse tree of life or Yggdrasil, are major images throughout the film. Amleth is hell-bent on revenge throughout, eager to avenge his father, as we might expect in this material, but that tree remains interesting and revealing every time we see another portion of it in the story, as more and more information comes to light. There are also a variety of seers, witches, omens and priestesses in this universe, first among them a very effective cameo from the Icelandic singer and actress Björk, and a shockingly good turn from our own Irish actress Alwyn Fuere. There are rituals, ceremonies and even a funeral although not the Viking funeral you might think you know. Amid all of these observances, you might have expected a wedding, too, given that Anna Taylor-Joy figures prominently on the poster, and of course throughout the story. She plays Olga, a fellow slave from Russia, who arrives in Iceland on the same boat that brings Ampleth towards his destiny. While her name begins with an O and ends with an A, that's about as much of a parallel as she has with Ophelia. There is some play with madness, mind you, but I won't spoil what she does with it. She appears as a foil to Amleth, and in many ways she starts to mirror Lady Macbeth more than any of her Danish counterpart. She encourages Amleth's revenge, she has some connection to the supernatural, and she's just as frightening and as determined as any of the North men we see. The parallels with Macbeth abound in the film. There are prophecies, omens, and signs that must happen, and indeed, Amleth keeps his focus in a very tricky situation because a witch told him he'll only die in very specific circumstances, and so when they haven't happened, he knows he will prevail. A king is butchered, as are many other people, and the ravens themselves are hoarse by the end of this story. The film has plenty of echoes of Hamlet, too. Our hero meets an armoured ghost at one point, there's an enjoyably surprising scene in his mother's chamber, there's a kind of Laertes figure to keep tensions running high, but don't go looking for a Polonius or even a Horatio to keep Amleth's spirits up. There is no room for these Latinate names in this intensely brutal Norse landscape. We are at a much earlier moment in the development of this myth, long before these other characters arrived in it. Likewise, there's no room for any players here. Indeed, the only playing that happens is a sport rather than a performance, as we watch a surprisingly brutal reconstruction of an ancient Icelandic ball game. The artists involved in this film have really done their homework in terms of research, of mythology and of historical detail. The acting is convincing, the design is very pleasing and the music is effective, but I feel I'm slightly damning it all with faint praise. I certainly did not go to see this film expecting a revelation of Shakespeare or of how Hamlet works. But somehow, even despite my best efforts, I missed what's good or great in the play. There might have been something really intriguing about seeing a berserker warrior who hesitates. That's a story right there, even without anything else. But perhaps what I think the film lacks is the interior life that we spend so long sharing with Hamlet in the play. Life is a lot cheaper in The Northmen. There's so much killing and slicing and butchering that it seems as unlikely as it would be unsafe for anyone to think before they stab. It's such a cutthroat world that if you took the time to speak a speech, even trippingly, you might get your own throat cut before you even finished the thought. I'm not going to spoil the ending, which is absolutely wild, but when you watch the film, pay attention to the look on Amleth's face at the end. It's quite an amazing thing that Alexander Skarsgård manages to do in the middle of this very, very dramatic finale. He somehow pauses for breath, and in that pause, we get just a glimpse of how he might be feeling about this entire journey, this awful, shocking, grisly path to revenge. But I'll leave you to interpret which way he might be leaning. As I mentioned, today is Shakespeare's birthday and his anniversary, and also just about the anniversary of Miguel de Cervantes. If that wasn't enough, it's also St. George's Day. This week, I learned that in Catalonia, for the Feast of San Jordi, St. George, people exchange either roses or books. I think this is brilliant, any excuse, of course, and I would highly recommend that you go and give someone you love a rose or a book today. I will be back again at some point whenever it feels appropriate to do another bonus episode. There is a certain Disney film that also is based on Hamlet that we have never really discussed. But in the meantime, enjoy the film if you choose to go and see it. Look after yourself and I'll speak to you again soon.